0: Welcome to the Endoscope Podcast, where you read and hear new perspectives in the scope of different lenses. I am your host, Joshua M. Hicks, senior writer of War Media. Make sure to subscribe to War on Anchor, the home of the Endoscope Podcast, on all podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and the TuneIn app. And follow me on social media at that guy Josh Hicks on Instagram and J Hicks 042 on Twitter. Also, make sure to check out the War Media site at com to get all the hottest and latest content on all things sports. Again, this is Joshua M Hicks and welcome to the Indiscill podcast. Hope you enjoy the show. Uh, uh. Welcome to the Endoscope Podcast. I am your host, Joshua M. Hicks, Senior Writer of War Media, and I got a very special guest of mine. He's a very good brother of mine. He is the editor of both Confidential, Mike Walton. Mike, what's happening to you, man? Oh,
1: man, same old, same old, same old these days, man. It feels like every day is a Monday, if I'm being completely honest, but I'm hanging in there, man.
0: Man, I feel you. I, I feel you. I'm, you know me. We getting back to this. Grind of working now. So it's like, <laughs> I feel like every day is a muddy. I'll be so tired. But, anyways, I'm glad to have you on this podcast. I'm glad course, to have you course. on board. You know, we've always talked before. we always done our, our, you know, our times on the interviews and the articles and everything. But to actually get you going means a lot to me. And I'm glad to have you.
1: Yeah, I appreciate you having me on, man, because anytime something big happens with the Bulls, honestly, I got like a core list of guys I hit up, and you're one of those dudes, because I just always want to pick your brain and see if you're feeling the same way I'm
0: feeling, so oh, thanks yeah. for having me on, man. No, I appreciate that, for real, man. We're going to jump right in, because we got a lot to talk about. We're going to start off with of some AK and Mark Eversley, Arturas Karnisivis, and Mark Eversley have, you know, they've been hired recently during the last dance. And and everything with uh, for the Bulls' new front office management. And I'm not gonna lie, they gave me a little bit of a scare (laughs) um, with the Jim Boylan situation. They gave me a little bit of a scare, um, but they took their time, like they said they would. And they and it led to the decision that we all agreed should have happened that Boylan would be dismissed. Yes, finally. Yes, finally, right? (laughs) So now, my first question to you is how would you grade? their process so far within this offseason. Um, obviously, things took a while for them to make the choices that we thought they should have made anyways, but they were very precise with how they're going, they were going, going about these things, right. and it took their time. So I really I want, I want to get your opinion as far as how would you grade the offseason that they had so far?
1: Uh, if I'm being completely honest, I think – just off the top of my head, I would give their off season probably an A minus. It's a so far, obviously, there's a lot left to go. It's basically the start of the off season. But um, my gut feeling was I think I felt like most Bulls fans, which is we were so so fed up with Jim Boylan, that we were just ready for him to go no matter what the minute the season was postponed, people wanted Jim Boylan out the door. And so I understand that completely. But I give it an A minus because I was impressed that they took their time. I think from day one, Karnashovas had said that he planned to give a long review process to Jim Boylan. He wanted to get to know Boylan a little better because he personally didn't know him. So I appreciate that just because, you know, a problem with Bull's management over the years has been from the outside looking in, it seems like they're not sincere. They're not genuine sometimes with the things they say at least to you know certain agents or certain players so it was nice Karnashovas said he was going to give Boylan some time and he did give Boylan some time and on top of giving him some time he still fired him at the end of the day which was the right call of course you know unfortunate for Jim but it was the right call so I think it may not have happened as fast as we want it you know obviously as fans and journalists we want instant gratification but I think it took it took some guts from Karnashovas to wait as long as he did considering how bad of a job Boylan did, but at the end of the day, he just needed to fire Boylan. So I have to give him an A-minus. The minus is just because it should have happened right away. But I get <laughs> that he wanted to be nice and make a good impression. So a minus.
0: Yeah, I, I I feel you on that. I think what made I think it was genius. As crazy as it sounds, it was genius <laughs> the way that he did it, because he allowed Jim Boylan to just see what he does every day and just see how bad he was from the jump, on top of doing the research, right? Like I think that's yeah, what made it yeah. so genius. Like, he made him, he made Jim Boylan look like he was so good. Then all of a sudden, yeah, bro, I was just really just trying to see what you were going to do behind closed doors. So now that I know, you're pretty much gone. Like, yeah, and
1: it's, and it's something I actually was talking to a few of my friends about. Uh, Rick Carlisle, who I believe is still the head of the Head Coaches Association for the NBA, he just has a lot of pull. And he's mentioned before how he doesn't exactly – Uh, appreciate the Bulls practices the front office with head coaches so I feel like you were seeing outside coaches who had nothing to do with the Bulls (laughs) telling other head coaches potentially to stay away from the job so I think maybe you know again from the outside looking in we don't think about the personal relationships as much but Karnaschovas wants to make sure future head coaches know even if you're as bad of a coach as Jim Boylan I'm going to give you some respect and some time before I fire you. So I think he made a good impression with other coaches and he wasn't really worried about Bulls fans because he knows he's going to make us happy, hopefully down the stretch. So.
0: Yeah, man, I think, that, I think they've done an excellent job with this. Um, they definitely changed and it really did bring a different direction as far as how they want the Bulls to fully run. Now we're going to run like a legit franchise that is a prestige franchise, you know, the iconic prestige franchise that we are, that we know we are and should be, and they really put that impression out there. And now that we don't have a coach right now, we're, we're in free agent mode when it comes to the coach that he wanted, that you know he's looking for um, to run this team for the long term. It, it appears obviously for the long term.
1: Um, yeah, and I was going to say, I've been a Bulls fan for, you know, obviously over two decades. Here, and I think this is the first time I remember a lengthy head coaching search. So I'm just happy. It feels like they're actually taking the time. And it feels like we're really going to get to learn a lot about these head coaching candidates. So I'm in no rush now. Now that Boylan's out the door, they can take as long as they want. So
0: And they definitely will, because there's a lot of candidates out there that they're looking at. I've, I mean, I've heard and it's been reported that obviously you got people like Wes Unsell Jr., Darvin Ham of the Milwaukee Bucks, yeah. um, Ime Udoka is, has been recently reported as the front runner. If you were in AK shoes as of right now with all the coaching candidates that you know of that are out there, who would you really go after?
1: It's tough because if you want me to be honest, Joshua, after how bad Jim Boylan was – literally any head coach is a step up like a big time step up like and i mean again jim Boylan was one of the nicest dudes like legitimately yeah. but anything's gonna be a big step up but if i had to say who was my favorite excuse me i think right now it would have to be darvin ham uh i think darvin ham would be my favorite now uh a name i don't believe you mentioned adrian griffin Uh, Adrian Griffin was actually someone who I wrote an article about for Bulls Confidential, you can go check out, that was sort of about his connection to the Bulls. He obviously played for Chicago uh, in the 2000s. He was an assistant coach with Tom Thibodeau. And something that's my favorite part, he actually played with Karnaschovas in college at Seton Hall. So, you know, Karnaschovas may know him a little bit better from their college days. Obviously, that's a long time ago. But Adrian Griffin was someone I like a lot because of all of that. But he did have some allegations that came out, I believe, with his ex-wife. So, obviously, those things need to be taken seriously. But outside of Griffin, Darvin Ham was someone I really like. The Bucks' defense was awesome uh, this year In the past few years. Obviously, Giannis, defensive player of the year. Um, the main reason I like Darvin Ham, though, is I would assume he would bring a little bit of Budenholzer's system to Chicago. And my main issue is, although the Bulls' defense was solid last year, it was gimmicky because they applied so much pressure. I think with Budenholzer, you may see a defense that's maybe not so aggressive that maybe does a little bit more drop back coverage, where a player like Wendell Carter can station himself near the rim and protect the basket instead of being out on the perimeter trying to contain guards, as we saw the Bulls big men doing a lot last year, sort of skating on ice, as Stacey King would say at the three-point line. So I just want the defense to tone down a little bit in terms of aggressiveness and traps and double teams. And I think Darvin Ham would bring the Milwaukee defense, or excuse me, the Bucks defense, which is notorious for dropping back and allowing three-point shooters to take those threes. As long as it's bad three-point shooters, you got to play the numbers. So I want a less aggressive defense. And I think Darvin ham uh, I think he'd be the guy for that.
0: It's an interesting choice because I, I agree with that. Um, I mean, that's what they say about Ime Odoka. You know, his defensive schemes when it comes to the Philadelphia 76ers, when they did have both their, all their players healthy, they were pretty a pretty good defensive team, yeah. and that's what he definitely yeah. brings to the table. So it's interesting how you mentioned that, and I, I agree with you on Adrian Griffin as well. Um, I, obviously to me he would have been one of my first yeah. choices, but obviously with those allegations, I at this moment we can't be we just can't go all in and just say yeah this is the guy, even though we really believe that he should have to be one of the main front runners for this position. So it leaves that door open, and a name that um. That, quite frankly, it's, it's been floating around. And actually, uh, my guy Brandon Scoopy-Robinson had Jay Williams uh, recently yeah, on his heavy live. And he, Jay Williams even mentioned his name, too. Is Kenny Atkinson, you know, the, oh, player, yeah. uh, the, the yeah. coach from the Brooklyn Nets. I actually think that's a very intriguing option just because he does have a resume of building quality talent. Um, and a prime example was D'Angelo Russell, who became an Big all-star. Time. And as, as as the point guard, when that uh, during his one of his years before they got KD and, and Kyrie, so yeah. I think that's an interesting name. I
1: would uh, actually like Atkinson a lot. First, real quick, shout out to our guy Scoop B. Yes, Uh, there is always doing work out there. So definitely shout out Scooby. But uh, Kenny Atkinson, I like him a lot. Chris Fleming, uh, who's our head, I guess, offensive sort of head coach, one of the top assistants. He actually came from Brooklyn. So, of course, he has plenty of experience uh, with Atkinson. So you have that relationship there. The main reason I like Kenny, as you mentioned, he helped D'Angelo Russell become an all star. And I think it's because offensively, he really allowed Russell to sort of be untethered he allowed him to flourish and sort of go off and do his thing so to speak and I think seeing atkinson in chicago he would do the exact same thing with zach levine to where we're almost like houston to where the offense is zach levine's gonna have the ball and everybody else is just helping him out <laughs> and then on defense you know it's more of a team effort but on offense it's okay if it's a one-man show as long as you're doing it offensively or excuse me efficiently and i think atkinson would help that happen uh the bulls are one of the bottom 10 defenses in the excuse me bottom 10 offenses in the league And I think they actually finished as a top 10 defense, which, of course, you know, that's a little bit of smoke and mirrors. But, you know, because obviously we saw them get pummeled in the fourth quarter a lot with that aggressive strategy. But basically, I think Atkinson would help the offense a lot. But I really want a coach that's going to keep the defensive principles in place. So that's why I'm still looking for more of a defensive-minded coach, because I think the Bulls already have – the personnel to have a good offense, I think it's really on the players for the offense, not the coach. So I'm more focused on making sure that defense stays in the top half of the league when it comes to the head coach.
0: Everybody listening right now, you're listening to Mike Walton. I actually got a name for you because I personally wrote this one. I've been an advocate <laughs> for him for all these years. Why can't you bring Mark Jackson to this thing, man? I mean, Mark Jackson, Ooh. cause Mark Jackson mm. has a nice resume as far as, obviously building young talent, giving the team an identity, which was defense during his Golden State days. And he was the originators of helping drafting Steph Curry, drafting Klay Thompson, drafting Draymond Green, trading for Andre Iguodala, trading for Andrew Bogut, turned that whole lineup into a championship, basically a championship roster before Steve Kerr got there. And Steve Kerr did give him the props. He said, yo, this team would not be a championship team Because if without Mark Jackson, because Mark Jackson put those principles in place, you're talking about a defensive minded guy,
1: why not? So, Mark Jackson is someone I have seen a lot of people talk about. Now, first off, it's weird. So I just want to be honest. I I would be against Mark Jackson as the Bulls coach. But first, I wanted to defend Mark Jackson a little (laughs) bit, which is a weird thing to say after saying I don't want him to be coach. Because I feel like he gets slammed all the time. And anytime people mention Mark Jackson, everyone's like, no, 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 no. Which I get if Mark Jackson is annoying as a commentator. (laughs) That's completely separate. As a head coach, I do think He does a good job of instilling defensive principles into players. He gets guys to buy in. And I think that's something the Bulls haven't had in a long time. Uh, Fred Hoiberg notoriously couldn't get his players to buy in. Uh, Jim Boylan obviously could not get his players to buy in. Daniel Gaffer, as you know, he said some of the funniest stuff about Jim Boylan. You know, it was hilarious. So, you know, the Bulls haven't had a coach who could get players to buy in. And I do think Mark Jackson could do that the reason I wouldn't like him for this job is I do think eventually Mark Jackson clashes a little bit with upper management and not in a major way to where he's disrespectful or anything, but I think he's similar to Tom Thibodeau to where when his team's doing well, he's really feeling himself. Mark Jackson's a confident guy. So the bulls do have a different management team now to where I think they can handle different personalities. But I just think with Zach Levine, you want a guy who maybe is a little bit more laid back. And I think Mark Jackson is more in your face. Um, I think Mark Jackson, actually, now that I think about it, he works well with, I think, a guy like Zach Levine or even a guy like Ryan Archie Diacono or Sadoransky. But I don't think he works well with a guy like Larry Markinen, who's a quiet kid, or Wendell Carter, who's, you know, an outspoken guy, but still kind of a quiet guy. So I think he might rub some of the personalities the wrong way. But I definitely think, you know, I, I would be okay with him getting an interview, but he definitely wouldn't be on my short list. The, the guys that have been named so far, I'm pretty high on, actually.
0: Okay. Okay. I, I feel you on that. I just wanted to, I want to throw that out there because you know, I, I'm an advocate for the brother, but I, but one of the names that you didn't mention that I think he would actually truth that would truly benefit from the coaching of Mark Jackson is Kobe White. Yeah. Because Kobe yes. White, we all know can fill it up when he's hot, but you're talking about a scoring point guard. Mark Jackson was someone that he's a floor general. He can actually run an offensive show. Now, obviously the the role of a point guard is changing, uh, has changed throughout time. But you're gonna need some principles down the stretch where Zach Levine can't handle the ball all the time, and you gotta be that main point guard that's gonna you know get hit – at least set up the offense and run it efficiently, especially down the stretch.
1: Yeah, and and the in reason. The
0: game, why not? Why 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 not learn from someone who's basically a top three assist leader in the in the whole entire NBA history and is notoriously yeah. known for that.
1: Yeah, and I was going to say, Mark Jackson, you've mentioned it. He's one of the best point guards of all time, really. Like, you know, a lot of people sleep on him, obviously, because he's such a hilarious dude. But Mark Jackson, lockdown defense, one of the best post point guards, really, of all time, like easily. Um, I think he would do wonders with Kobe Wright, really because of defense. I wasn't very happy with the Kobe White pick last year. And then he completely shocked me as the season went on and turned me into a Kobe White fan. And I think the biggest reason is his offense wasn't very good because he was so inefficient as a rookie, obviously. He's a 19 year old kid, but his defense was pretty good for what I expected. You know, he was physical, he was bumping dudes, and he's a stocky guard at six foot, you know, six three. So I think his defense was better than I expected. And with a coach like Mark Jackson, or even a guy like, if we want to talk about, you know, older coaches, Stan Van Gundy, I would love for Stan Van Gundy to get an interview. Um, coaches like that, I think they could make Kobe White. Into a guy who's a two-way player rather than, like, just a really good six-man or really good offensive point guard, which is what it feels like he's going to be. Um, but we'll see. So I would be okay with those guys getting interviews, but I would like it if the Bulls hired a guy who would be a first-time head coach just because it feels like those first-time head coaches, they really put their all into those first few years, and I think they would really bond with our young core. Or excuse me, the Bulls' young core. I don't play for the team. So <laughs>
0: I know right? it's all good, man. It's all good. They they part they, they they part of me as well. I'm even wearing the Bulls shirt now. It's part. <laughs> it's a part of me. It's a part Jim of me. The
1: be proud of you right now, man. Right? Bulls he,
0: across he, the. He chest. definitely would. He definitely would. <laughs> but let's transition to Zach Levine because Zach Levine has been recently reported in, in um, trade rumors, and not necessarily from the Bulls' perspective. This is from other teams looking at him. You know, mm-hmm. especially in New York, uh, both teams with the Knicks and the Nets. If I'm the Bulls, how do I handle Zach Levine? How do do you make him the main franchise guy of your entire? That's the face of your franchise, or do you f- try to get someone to pair with him, or do you just really blow up the system and just trade, trade him, just just to get some good value? Like if you're AK right now and you're evaluating this roster, how would you handle Zach Levine with this roster? Um, you know, I
1: think if I'm AK with this roster right now, I'm, I'm definitely keeping Zach Levine. I'm, I'm not moving him, you know, just because, you know, this is a new job for AK. I'll listen to trade offers for anyone. I'll negotiate on trade offers for anyone, but I wouldn't actually move Zach Levine. Um, the main reason is at his contract, regardless of how people feel about his defense or him as a winning player, at that contract, I think Zach Levine easily one of the best values in the league. Um, in terms of what he's making. He's a guy who's giving you just under 30 points a game uh, on very good efficiency, regardless of how bad he is at defense. So that's worth money in this league. And so I think for Levine, you really want to start talking to him about that next contract. You want to try to get Zach to agree on a deal that's, maybe not the full max, maybe obviously somewhere meeting in the middle to try to understand, obviously, we want to pay you, not the full max, not because we don't think you're worth that, but because we want to bring in a lot of help so the Bulls can be a championship contender. I think Zach Levine wants to win enough to where as long as he's one of the highest paid players on the team, I don't think he minds if it's not the full max necessarily. So I think you keep Zach Levine. He's a hard worker. I think he's a good, you know, inspiration for the rest of the team with his work I think you just have to also make sure you keep some veterans around I'm not sure if Otto Porter is necessarily that veteran but I think you do want to make sure you always keep veteran players on the team like Sadoransky Porter Thad Young who I actually think would be more of a trade candidate but I think you keep Levine and you just bring in defensive minded role players and you try to build the team around Levine Wendell Carter Markkanen and to a lesser extent, Kobe White, but I think you keep trying to build around that Levine marketing Carter core. And then obviously whoever you get in this year's draft as well.
0: It's interesting that you say that because I I think that Zach Levine is a one a, which means he's, he, he, he can be a top option offensively, but he has to have, he has to be the sidekick. He cannot right. be the main guy. You got to have a superstar, another all-star so that superstar talent to pair up with Zach Levine. And, the Bulls don't have offense that's, 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 that's been their problem they don't have yeah. offense so you talking about bringing in some help what type of help are we looking at here because because uh, obviously yes I agree with you I, I pref- the Bulls lack wing players that can that are two that are two-way players they like wing players that can shoot the ball or score the ball efficient enough while also cannot play defense you know while, while playing defense so if AK did say, that from a free agent perspective, they are looking to bring in a couple veteran players. Yeah. If I'm AK, who am I looking at? I know one person for me right off the bat that I'm thinking about getting West, Wesley Matthews from the Bucks. Mm. because you need someone that can stroke that thing. He- you need someone that you need shooters and yeah. the Bulls, Cause you already got a score in Zach Levine, but you need, and uh, obviously another score on Kobe white, they can get their own shots. You need people that can actually shoot the ball and make open threes. And that's something that Wesley Matthews can do on, on a low budget. I, that's just someone that I think that they should they can go after. But who do you think in your opinion that the Bulls should really go after, especially in a free agent market?
1: So it's tough just because off the top of my head, I know obviously this Bulls offseason for them really depends completely on what Otto Porter does. Um, If Otto Porter accepts that $26 million player option, they're kind of up against the hard cap to where I believe they can really only add a mid-level player. So someone like you said, like a Wesley Matthews or someone along that line would help. Um, i don 't believe he was a free agent, but someone i 've always wanted for the Bulls is Seth Curry, again, like you said, someone who's an excellent shooter, but I like a shooter who actually provides a little bit of ball handling as well and can give you a little bit of minutes at the point guard. So I would love if they did some sort of trade for a player like Curry and uh, When I talk about shooters like that or ball handlers, I mentioned Thad Young or I want to mention Thad Young just because. I feel like obviously it was very public that he was upset with his minutes last year under Boylan playing behind Mark, and I think it was the lowest maybe since his rookie year perhaps. Um, If you could find a good home for Thad Young, that would be awesome. And I think a team like Dallas could actually use some depth in the front court, or, you know, I think a trade I've seen floated out a lot by people is moving Thad Young to Golden State. If the Warriors wanted a player like Thad Young, maybe you could do something and move up to two. And the Warriors would be willing to move down the four to pick up a nice veteran because, you know, obviously they don't care about, you know, what rookie they draft. So um, I think the Bulls really more than free agency should focus on trying to do something creative in the draft to add another player, just because with the way they built this team, I think you're almost sort of set to where last year's team is next year's team. So like you said, I would love if they added a shooter or two, if they could, like you said, like a Matthews or a Curry or even Kyle Corver, you know, if he was let go and just on a one-year short-term deal. I would love just an extra shooter, but I really do, being completely honest, I don't think the Bulls need any help besides whatever, you know, rookie they draft just to add another young player because I was looking up the stats, and I know the Bulls shot a lot of threes last year just because that was something they wanted to do was – step into the modern NBA, you know, finally, and take a lot of threes. So last year, excuse me, they shot 34.8% from the three-point line. Obviously not good, Uh, just below 35%. And I believe, I'm not sure off the top of my head, almost every major rotation player shot below their career average from three, from the three-point line, Uh, especially Larry Markin, who shot terribly considering what a good shooter he looked like he was. Uh, from the three-point line. I think Levine's the only guy who had, like, a career year. I believe he shot 38% from three. A quick note, I believe Levine shot the three better than Devin Booker last year. I just wanted to throw that out there.
0: (laughs) Um, Interesting. (laughs) But,
1: yeah. uh, But I think – and different, different contexts, different players, obviously. But – my point I'm trying to make here is I think the Bulls have actually enough offensive talent, and I think that three-point percentage is the main key. They took a lot of threes last year and bricked a ton of them. So I think under a new head coach, they're still going to shoot a lot threes, a lot of threes. excuse me. They're just going to take a lot smarter three-point shots. And because of that, I think that three-point percentage that was 34% last year, next season we might see that go up to like 37%. from three as a team and if the Bulls shoot that well from three next year with the exact same roster they might all of a sudden be like a top 10 offense which was something Jim Boylan would not shut up about last year he always (laughs) liked to mention that if all of the Bulls shooters shot their career average the Bulls offense would be top 10 of course that didn't help him because they weren't shooting (laughs) their career average so that didn't matter but his point actually was valid that if everybody just shot the three a little bit better the offense would be better so I think you maybe need a few, like some more playmakers, a few more passers, and it would be great if they could also shoot the three. Um, That's why I've been driving the LaMelo ball, you know, fan club bus (laughs) all years, because I think he's a a great fit for what the Bulls sort of need. But um, I think the team's gonna be kind of good next year, regardless, and I'm saying good relative to what we experienced last year, thinking we were gonna take a step forward and then winning 22 games. So I, I think next year, The same roster will be a lot better because I think guys like Saturansky, you know, he played okay, And I think even he'll take a step up just getting used to a new environment. You know, a player like him, it was his first time playing with all of these guys. So it's going to be big for him, I think, just having an extra summer and, you know, a full offseason to sort of get to know everybody and then hopefully get to know his team next preseason.
0: Well, next year you may not you know you never know who could be in your locker room. Dare I say yeah. maybe like an Anthony Davis? Yep, Ooh. I'm going there. <laughs> I'm going there because there go. because it's been reported that the idea of him coming home is actually not far fetched, mm-hmm. and a lot of it does potentially vary on obviously whatever his status with regards to LeBron, if he could stay healthy, and on top of all of that. Do they win the ship this year? I mean, that's kind of questionable. Yeah. Even though I yeah. I did say from the beginning they should be able to win it and even within the bubble. I said they should be winning it. Yeah. Um, but right now that's unsure. It's kind of up in the air. And yeah. you never know what could happen between now and the end of the bubble going into the off season. You never know what we could do in the tri- in the in the draft lottery that could maybe help with that. I mean, you don't know. And being in a bubble, you know, people, players talk, people talk, connections. I think the hiring of Mark Eversley was actually very underrated for the Bulls because of his Nike connection. AD is with Nike. Um, yeah, big
1: time. <laughs> yeah,
0: so it's like, I don't think it's a far-fetched idea. And whether it happens this year or maybe next year, I wouldn't put it past the Bulls. Do you think it could potentially happen? Am I am I crazy here?
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um- Well, it would definitely be, uh, as someone who's watched the Bulls, obviously a long time, it would be one of the most shocking things (laughs) that's ever happened to the franchise easily. Uh, But I do think it's obviously possible. Um, Early on, when AD went to the Lakers, the scenario of him going to the Bulls for me was always, if the Lakers fell short of a title in that first year, where everyone expected them to run away, Um, even with the Clippers, I think a lot of people still feel like the Lakers should pull it out. As you said yourself, you know, I felt the same way just because you don't bet against LeBron when he has another top 10 guy on his team usually. Uh, but if the Lakers don't win the title and the Bulls hire a head coach who really, really, really connects with some of these guys or just makes waves around the league to where it sort of turns some heads, I think you could see Davis be interested I think you would still need a third team, weirdly, because knowing LeBron, as you said, we know the power he has. (laughs) Um, If Anthony Davis is leaving his team, he's not leaving without LeBron getting another all-star back in that team so the Lakers are at least, you know, playoff contenders, title, you know, contenders, competitive. So I think you would need a team like the Wizards or someone with, you know, a Bradley Beal or someone who's another big name you could trade to get involved, and the Bulls could trade their fourth pick plus future picks and some young players to the Wizards or that third team because your only issue is the Lakers don't want any young players in the signing trade just because the window is very short with LeBron but at the same time I think that's what helps Anthony Davis to the Bulls become a thing because their only promise to him is he can win a title with LeBron Um, once LeBron's on the way out Anthony Davis might not want to be committed to the Lakers on a 5-year deal with three, year, 3 years left, 2 years left and the team's, you know, awful or at least you know not as competitive as the one he's on with LeBron James. Meanwhile, you know, obviously it doesn't look like that now, but in 5 years the Bulls could be one of the best teams in the East and, you know, they could be a free agent away from being a true title contender. So, I think Right now, the Bulls are in a great position because they finally got lucky again in the lottery. That number four pick gives you a lot of flexibility because this is such a weird draft. So I really think this is the year to where you can try to make a trade and go star hunting if you want and go after that big name. And I do think Karnashovitz is the guy to do that type of move. As we've seen in Denver with Michael Porter Jr., uh, he's not afraid to take a risk, even if it's not a huge risk as long as it's a smart calculated risk, which obviously taking Porter at that low of a pick for them was an easy choice. So uh, I believe in Arturus a lot. And I really do think they're going to do something good with that number four
0: pick. Yeah. We can't, we can't forget. He did draft Bo Bo too. And yeah. Bo, I mean, Bo, the
1: guys are, Bo Bo, he, he will take he some He came risk. out killing.
0: He definitely, he definitely uh, took some, take some crazy interesting risks, risk, but it always turns out for the good and, I just cannot help but think about Zach Levine and A- Anthony Davis. That combo would be so <laughs> nasty if we can keep that up. And I think the point that we need that we should just briefly mention with Anthony Davis, too, is, yeah, he does have at least another year after this on his contract. Like, he does have one more year on the contract before he can opt out. So, yeah. he he's, he's technically, if he wants to, he can opt into this contract this year and stay for one more year or just go straight into free agency. Like, he has options,
1: yeah, and the only reason he he notoriously said, of course, you know, just like every big name, the only reason he didn't take the player option early is because, of course, he wants to sign a much bigger long-term deal with the Lakers, which it obviously makes sense to say that. But as you said, the real reason could be, you know, we know he has Rich Paul, who's always trying to look out for his clients. So AD could be trying to play the field a little bit and tell the Lakers, well, hey, you know, this is the amount of money I want because we've talked to other teams and this is what they'd be willing to give me down the line. So the ball's still in the Lakers' court. But again, having an agent like Rich Paul, if AD absolutely doesn't want to be in LA, Rich Paul's not going to do LeBron any favors. If AD wants to leave, he's going to leave. Because as we've seen, this is a superstar-driven league. And whatever they decide, as we saw with Kawhi just taking Paul George from the Thunder, whatever they decide goes most of the time. So we'll see. Fingers crossed.
0: Yeah. Zach and eight. Oh God. Zach and Anthony Davis. I can't stop thinking about that. I mean, I'm <laughs> trying to
1: talk myself into Giannis coming here in a few years. <laughs> Who
0: knows? But that, but that's why, but that's also why I'm interested about your Darvin Ham comment, because if he becomes the head coach, I'm pretty sure that connection with Milwaukee and yeah. Giannis could potentially work. It could yeah, potentially it bring help, him to Chicago if he really wants to. It's, it's, it's a lot of interesting things, interesting scenarios to think about, but for sure. They're not far-fetched as we think. Everybody listening right now, you are listening to editor of Bulls Confidential, Mike Walton. Mike, transitioning into this draft lottery, man, because this draft, honestly, I don't know what to do. Um, <laughs> the number four pick, after your top three on uh, everybody's draft board at, at the number four, it's kind of all over the place. It fluctuates. Right. Uh, you got the... I forgot the European guy. Uh, is it Desi or Denzi? Uh,
1: oh, Denny, Denny Avi. Denny,
0: yeah, Denny. You got him. some people have him on the roster. Everybody, every, others have uh, Ob Toppin. Yeah, I believe Ob Toppin. yeah,
1: Obi yeah. Toppin's yeah, he's
0: good. Obi Toppin. Good. yeah, they've been. These are good quality players. Even and 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 some options are even saying, bullshit, potentially trade up, try to get that number two pick, or try to get that number one pick to draft somebody like James Wiseman or somebody like, or maybe get Anthony Edwards. Because, you know, the Timberwolves may not want to get Anthony Edwards since they already had Jerry Covert from last year. So right. it's a lot of up and down scenarios that the Bulls really have at their dispense. But what should they actually do? Like, in your opinion, tell me what you think they should do. And if, if they do keep that number four pick, who would you draft?
1: Yeah, so... uh that's something I've definitely – of course, we've written about that on Bulls Confidential, so tech, definitely check out our NBA Draft tab. But also, I want to plug my podcast real quick, uh, the, Bull, the Brief Bulls Podcast. So, the Brief Bulls Podcast, it is on all podcast platforms. And just want to plug that because I've talked about mostly draft prospects. This is really all I've done for five episodes. Obviously, we talked about Jim Boylan being fired, but um, <laughs> we've talked a lot about the draft just because I'm a draft guy, so this is my time of year. So, I would definitely, first off, stay at that number four pick um this is i'm sure you've heard a lot joshua this is one of the weakest draft (laughs) classes in recent history on paper um it is annoying when people say that because as per usual we don't know in five years this draft could have 10 (laughs) all-stars so you know we never know but right now on paper it does look like one of the weaker classes in recent history so i don't think you trade up for a guy because trading up implies obviously you're gonna have to give up some good assets I don't think you trade up unless you're getting that number two pick or that number one pick. And there's a prospect that Karnaschovas and Eversley have evaluated and they are positive that that kid's going to be a great player. So, you know, I'm okay with that because I trust them, but I would just stay at four because I've mapped it out and, you know, many others have mapped it out. The way you look at the three teams in front of the bulls, they don't really have guard needs. So, LaMelo Ball slipping to number four seemed ridiculous, but I think there's a real path now for LaMelo to be available at number four and many draft outlets have him as the number one prospect in the draft. I on my personal uh, big board have LaMelo Ball as the number one prospect in the draft. So I just think if the Bulls stay at four, they're going to have a really good guard fall to them. And I think despite the fact that we do have some good guards on the roster, I still think we're missing another playmaker. Um, Kobe White's going to develop into a very good passer, but he's still a score first guard. to where teams are scared that Kobe White's just going to pull up from deep and hit that deep three on you because he has that ability. But he is developing into a better passer. But I think with this pick, you want to try to pick a kid who's a pass first player, excuse me. Um, Outside of LaMelo Ball, Tyrese Halliburton is also a guard you may have heard of out of Iowa State. He is as pass-first as they come. His highlight reels are nothing but assists. And uh, he's actually a two-year player as well, so a little bit more experienced than your average lottery pick these days. So I think if the Bulls stay at four, they're going to get a really good guard. And my big board is a little different from consensus, so there are some guys I like a lot. Tyrese Maxey, very explosive guard out of Kentucky, who's a little bit of a Kobe White – I don't know how to describe him, but Kobe White, John Wall, light-ish mix, interesting type player – uh, uh, what's his name? Isaac Okoro. He is very good. He's a wing out of Auburn, very physical, six foot six. He's the type of guy who is like the Kawhi coming into the draft where doesn't look like he'll be able to shoot the three, but if in the NBA he develops into a three point shooter, could one day be one of the best two way players in the league because he's that good on the defensive end of the floor. So he's a player who I would be willing to take him straight up at number four, but his value really probably isn't there with the rest of the league so this will be a good draft for the bulls to trade down actually so because if you trade down you can get another player and pick up some assets you know maybe the knicks are extremely desperate and want to get rid of rj barrett after one year if the bulls could pick up rj barrett and move down to eight i would be thrilled i would take Mm -hmm. rj barrett top three in this draft probably number one so um I think they can move down and do well. But right now, I would just stay at number four, and I would really pray that LaMelo ball falls to four because he could be a bust. Anyone in this draft could be a bust. But from what I've seen of LaMelo, he is such a talented and creative passer that I think he'll really make players like Mark and Carter better offensive bigs. And even his shortcomings on defense, I'm willing to accept that if he can make the Bulls a better passing team, which I think he can. So I would stay at number four for
0: sure. I just find it funny because if we do get LaMelo, because I think LaMelo is better than Lonzo. I do think that. I think, I think LaMelo is the better one out of the family. Um,
1: That's, it's, cl- it's tough for me because I, I do like LaMelo a lot. But the thing is, Lonzo is very good at defense. He uh, is. Even though his shot is still kind of jank. That's where I'm going That's where I'm going at. Like In yeah. the, in the yeah. NBA
0: yeah. League today, I mean, obviously, you don't have to necessarily have the jump shot. Right. But you got to at least make some.
1: And easy. that's what makes LaMelo such a polarizing prospect because exactly. so LaMelo, I believe shot, I want to say 28, maybe 29% from three, like not good. He shot bad from three, but if you look at his highlights, you watch him play. He can obviously shoot the ball. <laughs> He's a talented three-point shooter. Some of the worst shot selection you'll see <laughs> in maybe basketball history. Um, And anyone who's watched the games and anyone who even hates LaMelo as a prospect knows he's a talented kid. Again, just terrible shot IQ. He jacks up some terrible shots. His team was also trash. I'm okay (laughs) saying it because again, I watched them. It was a trash team. Uh, Their best player outside of him was Aaron Brooks. Yes. That Aaron Brooks (laughs) who played for the bulls. So, and he went down and once he got injured, LaMelo became the leader of the team. It was his show. And so, though he shot the three poorly, as the season went on, I think you saw him perform a little bit better. My favorite thing was he ended – obviously, he got hurt and didn't play a full season. But his last three games were, I believe, back-to-back-to-back triple-doubles to to where he was just, you know, getting 36 points, pulling up from 37 feet, getting 12 rebounds, 15 assists. So – He's the type of player where I think people focus too much on the negatives when he goes two for 12 from the three-point line, which you're gonna to have to accept some of those gains. But I think what people are missing is in this draft, they're gonna be, again, a lot of busts. I don't think Lamelo's gonna be a bust because he's six foot seven. So even though he's not gonna be great at defense, as he gains weight, he's gonna be a guy who can guard people just from being a tall point guard. And I think, again, what I was trying to say here is what people are missing is Lamelo ball, when you look at his box scores. In some of his worst games where he's shooting terribly, he'll have nine points, seven rebounds, nine assists. Nine, seven, and nine doesn't sound great. That would be awesome for the Bulls to have on their roster. A player who's going to give you a little bit of everything, who's going to rebound the ball. The Bulls were not an amazing rebounding team, so he would help you there. Uh, Again, if he develops that three-point shot further, him and Levine would be one of the most dynamic offensive backcourts in the league from day one, because again, you have to guard both of those guys at half court basically. And I think again, um, just really quickly on the shooting, that's another thing people are missing with the mellow ball. Yes, when he pulls up from 38 feet and bricks a three, it's a bad shot. But what people are missing is the defense is like, oh man, the next time down the floor, this kid might pull up from 38 feet. So you're guarding someone very differently, as I can tell from getting roasted at the park, Uh, back in the day, if you see a guy's pulling up from 38 feet, he's confident enough to do it again. So you're going to guard him differently. So even if LaMelo was a terrible three-point shooter, as long as he's confident enough to take those shots, he's going to pull defenders up on him tight, and that's going to make life so much easier for a guy like Zach Levine, who doesn't really need life to be easy on offense, as we saw to go off. So I think people are missing that LaMelo's presence would make the team better, even if he's not having a good game, just because he's such an energetic player. I think he'll get some respect from defenses as a rookie just because you never know what he's going to do.
0: Well, two things. One, you know your team is trash if your best player bought your team. (laughs) <laughs> that just saying
1: is, that is actually something i had not seen before so
0: it, 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 I, I never seen it either you don't even play a full season and you just come up to the off, front office and be like yeah by the way Col- by the way y'all i'm buying y'all out yeah
1: and you, you want to talk the about sw- team. you want to talk about swagger that's a baller move yes, you're a young a kid move. you buy your team and so i just want to mention that a lot of people the negatives on Lamelo ball should be all on the court stuff like I, he's my number one player in my big board. And I can tell you by heart, the negatives, terrible on defense, <laughs> terrible shot selection. Uh, but off the court, there is no issues with this kid. LeVar ball is yesterday's news. That's his dad. <laughs> we don't pick who's your father. And he's but also did a thing. great job. You know, but that's the like, thing. do you
0: really want LeVar ball in Chicago? Are you yeah, cool? with? I,
1: I absolutely do. So think- first of all, <laughs> I think LeVar is not an issue anymore just because big baller brand failed. And I think his ego is a little hurt that it failed, but at the end of the day, he produced two kids that are gonna be lottery picks in the NBA. So we all know the dude's a great father. I think he's satisfied, you know, he's gonna run his mouth when LaMelo gets picked like he always does. But I think if you get to know LaMelo Ball off the court, I, I, I forgive me, I don't remember his name, LaMelo has a manager who is pretty much by his side all the time I believe. Believe it's a family friend who may have some professional playing experience. Basically LaMelo's manager helped him buy the team and is essentially his business partner. So this is a kid who already has a guy who's helping him make business moves. He's already thinking about his brand. He already signed a deal with Puma. So, you yeah. know, when you draft LaMelo Ball, you're not just drafting a player, you're drafting a movement, you know. It sounds a little bit dramatic, but I think he has like more Instagram followers than, like, 15 NBA teams, you know? This is a guy who is more popular than any player in the draft by far. And while popularity should not rank anywhere high on, you know, your list of things, I think it matters for a team like the Bulls to where they are trying to get back on the map, so to speak. And I think LaMelo Ball, you know, you know if the Bulls get LaMelo Ball, we're on ESPN every day hearing about the Chicago Bulls. And that type of exposure could be good for a franchise that I think is about to get back on the right track. So um, I think he provides the perfect combination of really getting the fans excited and then also really being a team first player, because I think that's what people get wrong most about LaMelo, in my opinion. I think he is absolutely a team first player because he may piss off his teammates when he pulls (laughs) up from three randomly, you know, with 23 seconds on the shot clock, literally, but he'll also give you an assist where you're like, man, I wasn't even ready for the ball. And you hit me with a behind the back dime that I appreciate. So I think he's really going to ingratiate himself well with an NBA locker room. And I think he's easily going to come out as the best player in this draft, but there are several dudes who I think are going to be really close Anthony Edwards. I don't even like that much as a player, but physically he's so impressive. I refuse to have him lower the number two on the big board. (laughs) So there's a lot of good talent in this draft at the top. um, But I think Lamella would be perfect for Chicago, but uh, Denny of the guy you mentioned, the European kid, I slept on him a little bit. I definitely ranked him too low. I would be fine with him. I just think you could move down a few picks and still get him. So he's a guy I would trade down for, but, um, if I had to describe Denny Vision in a nutshell, in my opinion, I think he's a player who is good at maybe every single thing in basketball and exceptional at nothing. So it's a weird thing, but I think he would help the Bulls he would raise their floor. So they would definitely be like a decent team, but I don't think we would be talking about him next year. He would just do the little things. He would be more of an advanced stats guy, so to speak, rather than a guy who's going to put up 19 points a game or something like that. But I think he's a very high IQ player and those European guys, anybody who's playing professional basketball as a teenager, same as we see with Lamelo and RJ Hampton, you know, you can usually trust those guys to catch on
0: to NBA basketball a little bit quicker. So yeah, I'd be, I'd be pleased with him as well interesting take is it a make or break is it a make or break year for laurie marketing
1: man yeah actually yeah i don't even know why i thought so long not even because of just how poorly he played last year but just because it wasn't really clear what was going on ever <laughs> so he really needs to bounce back here it seemed like maybe there were some injuries he was hiding and boylan was playing him too much But then they always tried to say injuries wasn't a factor. So it was like, were they covering up for the injuries or, you know, so I couldn't figure out why he was playing so poorly last year. And then also he's going to be due for a contract soon. So if he wants to be paid like a core player on the bulls, he's going to have to prove it. And something that I think really changes the year for marketing is Karnaschovas is an aggressive uh, basketball, you know, he's an aggressive basketball GM as we're going to see, or excuse me, an aggressive executive. We're going to see him willing to make trades that are more creative than anything Bulls fans have seen in a long time. So if marketing starts off next season, hypothetically having you know, a good year. Like he starts off on fire. Bulls fans might be like, yes, Markinen's back, and then he's traded next week for three first round picks. So I just try to tell fans to not get too attached to any player because we don't really know who Karnashovas likes on the roster yet. But I think right now, just based off of what we saw last year, Levine's going to be around for a long time. He's just too good of a score. And like you said, he's a 1A type player where you probably need another superstar, but he's going to be able to help you be a good offensive team. So I definitely think Markkinen's going to need to at least shoot the three-point ball well. He doesn't need to necessarily put up, you know, 20 points a game, but if he doesn't shoot at least 37% from three, I think you really got to talk about his future in Chicago because the whole point is he's supposed to be a stretch four. So, you know, you do need him to space the floor because he's never been a good finisher um, notoriously. So if he's not going to provide more inside and he definitely doesn't provide much on defense, he's got to be able to stroke it from the three point line or else again, he's going to be a part of one of those creative Karnashovitz trades.
0: Man. The the great Mike Walton, editor of Bulls Confidential, bringing in all the hot takes and all the heat. LeVar Ball, if you are actually listening, we are open <laughs> to you coming to Chicago. So if you have yo, to come to Chicago, bring yo, your not big.
1: Only, not only are we open to him coming to Chicago, I want them to bring back the uh, Ball in the Family show in the Windy City. Like, I want to see Chicago Ball in the Family. Because oh Li- we, we don't know what's LeAngelo up to, what LeAngelo would do in Chicago. We don't know. <laughs>
0: LaVar's going to try to get him on the team.
1: <laughs> yo, yo. Oh, man, you just gave me an idea, Joshua. I'm starting the Leangelo Ball to the Windy City Bulls campaign right now, officially. Oh Why can't he gosh. play for the Windy City Bulls? They need a shooter. I'm down.
0: <laughs> See, that's the thing. LaVar's going to be like, no, he got to play with my boys. And if that's the case, we all got to play in the same team, so you got to go get Lonzo, too.
1: I was literally just gonna say, bring the whole Ball family. <laughs> Trade for Lonzo. Bring Lamelo. Get yeah, get uh, LiAngelo on the G League team. I'm down.
0: I will say this: Jerry Reinsdorf was talking about how he lost money. You get the Ball family up in Chicago with Rock Nation and Puma. That's what I'm saying. There goes your money, right there, Jerry. Hey, look, and I, I want to say it. this
1: too to all the Bulls fans who absolutely hate Levar Ball and would want nothing to do with him in Chicago. If Levar Ball was in Chicago with a son on the team when Jim Boylan was the head coach, I guarantee Jim Boylan would not have lasted as long <laughs> because LeVar Ball is not taking that for one second. He gave crap to way better coaches. So best believe if, if he was here with Jim Boylan, Jim Boylan would have been out of here because LeVar Ball would have been like, this is one of the worst coaches I've ever seen. <laughs> so like you would like LeVar Ball more than you think the people that don't like him.
0: You would like him here. He would definitely be an entertaining prospect. But, anyways, Mike, what you got coming up, man? What you got coming up?
1: Oh, man. I mean, just look forward to uh, episode six of the Brief Bulls podcast. will definitely be coming out sometime soon. So, as I said, you can listen to that on Spotify. I mean, heck, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you can listen. Um, but pretty much, Bulls Confidential, always writing something. Fan side, you can always check out something from me about the draft. So, really just make sure to follow me on Twitter at Zen Master Mike. Um, and yeah, if you follow me on Twitter at Zen Master Mike, and then follow Bulls Confidential on Twitter and uh, follow all of my team, you know, shout out to the guys, uh, you know, shout out to my guy, uh, Declan, shout out to my guy, Geoffrey Clark. Like we got a whole great team out there. So follow Bulls Confidential, follow me at Zen Master Mike. And of course, follow you, Joshua, because we're going to be talking a lot of Bulls as the draft gets close. So it's going to be an exciting time to be a Bulls fan.
0: Oh, yeah, most definitely. All my all my, uh, my, viewers and my listeners, they already know what the deal is. You got to follow me on Instagram at that guy thatguyjoshhicks and on Twitter oh. at jhicks042.
1: And also, I would be remiss, before I head out, I want to give a quick shout-out to a, a homie, Donovan Strong O'Donnell. There's a great event called Comedy Pickup. They actually have a pickup truck, and they go around Chicago, go around the city doing stand-up comedy outside, socially distant, and very safe. So it's a great way just for people to find some event stuff going on. Obviously, the lockdown and quarantine has been kind of tough to especially get a live event like stand-up comedy. So just want to shout-out Comedy Pickup. Definitely follow them on Instagram. And, uh, yeah, man, follow me, Zen Master Mike, on Twitter. And, man, I am so excited for the NBA draft. I can't believe the Bulls are actually going to be a good team next year. <laughs> it's going to
0: yeah. be great. Yeah, that's, it's, it's going yeah, to be interesting. I'm definitely looking forward to it. And, on, and of course, as we look forward to it, we're glad to have you on the Endoscope Podcast. Thank you for stopping by, Mike. Uh, we definitely going to have to – you're definitely going to have to get me on that new podcast you got over there over there. Uh, oh,
1: man, and not only that, we're definitely going to have me back on, man, if you'll have me because this was a lot of fun, man. I'm definitely down to do this again as the draft gets closer.
0: Yes, sir. Most definitely, man. You already know what's up with that. We definitely have you come back at any time. And Mike, thank you for coming by. Appreciate it. We'll catch up and talk soon. All
1: right. Take it easy, man. Stay safe out there.
0: Yes, sir.